Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Hi, everyone. Elaine and Diane here. And we know that you want your complex kids to grow up to be happy and independent. And yet you're not always sure how or when to help with that. In this podcast, we'll encourage you to collaborate with all kinds of complex kids and support them in navigating life and learning. And we'll interview leading experts from around the world, as well as parents in our own community, talking about how training for parents actually helps these complex kids. We'll talk about the issues we hear parents struggling with all the time and how a coach approach can support and empower your amazing young people. We won't tell you what to do. We're going to help you figure out how. So let's move on to the next conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to another conversation in the Parenting with Impact podcast. Diane and Elaine here today. Just us. We've got some good stuff to talk about because it is now January, right? Or by the time you hear this, it will be January. It's almost January. It's almost January. We'll pretend it's January. It's not right now, but we'll pretend it is. It's almost January, really. And it's before we blink, it will be. And we have now been very actively supporting parents of young adults, emerging adults, whatever you want to call us, for three years, Mm -hmm. right? Our first in January of 2021, we did our first four-week group, and we opened it up to 25 parents, and we ended up running three groups for 75 parents because the need was so huge. And then we started a a coaching group for parents of young adults this now, but we've been running for three years. We now have two groups for parents of young adults. By the time we record this, we may have three. Three. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) We've run multiple four-week classes in addition to these ongoing groups. So this is a big topic in our community. Fair. And and those of you with younger kids, we do lots of support for parents of younger kids. So don't tune us out. Well, and listen to this because parents tell me all the time is I want to know what it's like when they're going to get older. I'm already worried about college and after college and all that other stuff. So you keep listening. And parents of young adults are like, I wish I knew this 10 years ago. That's true. So those of you with younger kids, this is, you need to hear this now, I think, really. Well, and it, just the plug, I was thinking about, Elaine, when we first met at the International Conference, ADHD Conference in 2010, we were talking about the fact that there was not a lot of help out there for parents, period. Yeah. And look how far we've come. And there's so much, there is a lot of help and support out there for parents, yeah. not as much as there needs to be, but there's a lot out there, which is awesome. And we, when we were at the International Conference in November, we were like, nobody's except for us are really focused on these young adults. There's a lot of people focusing on elementary age and teens and everything else. But those of you who have parents are parents of young adults know that we hear you and that we know that there's not a lot of help out there, which is why we're, we're screaming from the rooftops. Yeah. And so here's what's coming. The By the time this episode airs, it'll be early to mid-January. We are hosting a one-day virtual conference Mm -hmm. um, later in January 22nd, I think, but I don't want to be um, specifically on, it's called Back on Track, Helping Young Adults Get Back on Track. It's been a really interesting process to, to, to what Diane's just saying. Finding experts to participate in this summit has been really difficult because oftentimes what I hear from them is we send them to you, (laughs) send the parents to you. 
because there's really not a lot of support. There's not a lot of support out there for the young adults who are not yet on track or needing to get back on track. And there's not a lot of support for the parents and the guardians and the grandparents and even the providers who are supporting them. And the support is different, right? And I think that the support is different. And at the same time, when parents come to us and they say, what do you mean your program is for parents of kids from four to 44? How could that possibly be? And that that's one of the things I love about our work is that we're teaching change management. We're teaching coaching tools. We're teaching things that you can apply in virtually any context, in any challenge, in any family, in any situation, because it's not about the formula. It's about how do you make change happen? And so whether you're trying to make change happen with your kids that are living under your roof that are still in school, or you're trying to make change with your 30-year-old who's living halfway across the country who you're spending more on their rent than you wish you were, right? we're still talking about change management and neurodiversity-informed change management. Yes. And about your role as the parent, right? Is this sort of, that's the piece of it. We're not focused on what are you doing with your kid? We're focused on what are you doing with you? And that's what makes this special and unique and amazing and complicated and, and challenging. And well, so, I don't say complicated. I don't want to scare anybody. But so here's the larger context to, to this, because we're doing a lot of work in this arena. We're supporting parents. We're living it ourselves. Yes. That we're also figuring it out. So between the two of us, our kids range from 22 to 30, what? 38. Almost 39. Okay. Yep. And so we've got 39, 34, 29, 20, like, and down, right? And down. We're walking the talk. Sometimes we're getting it right. Sometimes we're missing the mark, just like you all listening today. Because sometimes we have those great conversations like, ooh, that went really well. And sometimes I'm not quite sure how to navigate this issue with this particular kit. Or sometimes we might lose our cool. Even Sometimes we might. (laughs) So I think, so let's focus in, Diane, on this is about parenting. Not It's about us, not about them. So what is it that we as parents need to really get our head around to be the most effective parent for kids who are no longer, no longer under our, let's call it for kids who are no longer under 21. Or, <laughs> under or maybe some of you may have 18. It's this sort of, yeah. They're, you know, they consider themselves grown up or you consider whether them grown they are up or, or not. whatever. Somewhere yeah. there's some age where one or both of you've decided that they're a grown up. And what was coming up for me, Elaine, is as we're giving this context, part of what stood out for me, I remember really distinctly when we first started teaching sanity school and we were talking about the tone of the home. And we we're talking about what do you want your kids to remember when they're 33 years yeah. old? And, and it's like when you come home and it's, and now all of a sudden our kids are 33 and it's like, what's, wait, it's not about when they come home. It's what is it that you want to have be the core of the relationship? And I think that's the piece of us is like, mm-hmm. we want to be able to have adult-ish relationships with our kids. And yes, you might figure out that you don't really like your kids, even though you love your kids. And I I remember really distinctly having conversations with friends about that, with about their parents. It's okay. They aren't my best friends, but I like having Thanksgiving dinner with them, or I like birthdays, whatever else. But what do you want at the core of the relationship? And what does that mean for the stuff of life that you have to handle? Because it, most of our kids are complex and 
we're going to need to spend some of our time dealing with the stuff of life and not just celebrating birthdays and holidays and things like that. Yes. And I do, I want to go back because I don't want to leave what you said hanging, which is some people may feel like maybe we don't like the kids as much. Some of us may find the opposite is the older they get, the more I like them and more interesting they become the more, right. So I want to give space for all of that. Right. right? Um, One of the reasons I had a third kid is because somebody said to me once, if I knew how much fun my kids would be as adults, I would have had more. Mm -hmm. And, and I find it true as, as maddening as it can be sometimes. And it can be really frustrating because they have their own thoughts. They have their own lives. I'm no longer able to shape their lives the way that I once was able to be much more involved with shaping. And it's also fascinating to see who they are and who they're becoming and and to really enjoy watching them emerge. If I can take away the fear around it. And so there's so much in there to unpack, but that let's look at that. It's about watching them emerge. It's about helping them to emerge. It's about letting them to be independent adults, the tools that most of us use, particularly when we've got divergent kids, when they're younger, are more of those director, collaborative, leadership, setting the pace kind of tools. And when your kid doesn't live under the same roof as you do, or your kid is off at college and is living their own life, or if they're a grown-up and they're living at home. So those are the three scenarios. Those are the only three scenarios. Your kid is living somewhere else. Your kid is living with you, but they're a grown up or want to be a grown up or think they should be a grown up, or your kid is at college and you're navigating, managing a college environment together because you're part time home and part time not home, if that makes sense. And I think those are the three scenarios that I hear most frequently. And we're talking a little bit about all three of those. Is that fair? Yeah, it's fair because it's really, it's about communicating. It's about how do we have important conversations but not have everything be a significant conversation so that we can stay in relationship with them. But finding the space to have those important conversations without defensiveness and where there's a receptivity to it. And part Um, of even that is figuring out what are the important conversations mm -hmm. and what, so one of the things we talk about, and I don't remember if we even talked about this in the, in some of the other episodes we've done is like, what role do you really have? If you've got an adult kid, right? It's just sort of, you might still be their landlord or you might still be their roommate or you might still be helping them with their finances or, and, and so there are, we talk about agreements all the time. It's there may be realistic agreements to put in the context of those. But I remember really distinctly when my oldest, who's now almost 39, was 21, 22 living with us. And it was like, okay, I'd like you to at least let me know if you're not going to spend the night. So if I wake up at three in the morning and I don't notice that your car's in the driveway, I want to know where that you're home, that you're somewhere and that you're safe. But I couldn't say you can't sleep over at somebody else's house because he was a grown up, right? It's a sort of, he had to live his own life. And but so we had to figure out how to be better roommates so that we were supporting each other Please don't, I had parents the other day, it's like their kid it cooks dinner at two in the morning and it, that might be fine if it didn't bother anybody, if they're banging pots and pans and the smell of bacon at two in the morning is waking everybody else up. That's probably not a very healthy roommate relationship, but that doesn't mean that you, you have to make your kid go to bed if they're 
when you know, five years old. It's a funny example because I've had that conversation to my mind with at least two different parents or grandparents in the coaching groups um, about how do you navigate with the kid to not want to control their lifestyle, their choices, their whatever, but still make sure that it's respectful and not disruptive to, to others in the household. That's well, one of the conversations that yeah, we have to have when and, you're saying what conversations, right? Right. And when it comes to things like sleep, this is the this is where your fear thing comes in. So many of us know that sleep's important and a lot of us have night owl kids and they're up at all hours and it's this sort of we can see that it's causing problems for them, but they have to decide that it's causing problems with them before they start changing their behaviors. And so it's, if we're terrified that they're not getting enough sleep and that's causing problems, we're going to handle it very differently than if we are saying this person gets to decide what their schedule is going to be and when they're going to sleep and when they're going to be awake and all that other stuff. And what that leads me to is what I would call an enrollment conversation is that when we see when our kids are younger and there's something that we see that's a behavior that's concerning or may need to change or they need to work on, we still have some authority, for lack of a better word, to be able to go to them and say, this is something that might you might want to work on or this is important to, to, to get a handle on. Or When kids are younger, there's a way to say, this is going to be important for you to have a handle on before you leave home, before you leave home because you're going to have to do it independently. Once they've left home or haven't left home, it's we have to have that conversation a little bit differently. And the term that's coming to me is enrolling. It's we want to figure out ways and be in enough relationship to be able to enroll our kids into wanting to make conscious choices for themselves and ultimately healthy choices for themselves. And what they may choose as a healthy choice may not be what we would choose as a healthy choice, but like the starting point is to get them to make a conscious choice at all. And I think that's the piece of it is I I have the benefit. I remember when I was in my twenties, I dated someone who worked the third shift. Mm. And so he'd get up at eight o'clock at night. We'd go on a date. I'd come home. I go to bed. He'd go to work. You know, it was right. like this sort of thing. And it was like, that's how he lived his life. And he slept all day while I was at work. It was, it worked out actually well. Yeah. Surprisingly Strangely enough. But he wasn't unhealthy. He had blackout shades. He did all this stuff to make sure that he was getting, yes, he was upside was down from the rest of the world. Yes. But it was conscious, right? It yeah. was a sort of, a, it was a conscious decision. And so I think that's the piece of it is that if your kids are saying, hey, this is working for me and we're coming from a place of I'm scared that I'm scared that, or I'm worried or that. you shouldn't, or yeah. you shouldn't yeah. do it that way. So there's definitely something here about We talk a lot with parents of young adults about what's their agenda Mm -hmm. and supporting them in their agenda and helping them even figure out what their agenda is, because a lot of times they don't really know. So my one of my kids, my eldest is 29 and just came to me recently in the last couple of months and and asked for some help. Mm. Now, I, I try to give a lot of space and latitude and and so I think what happened was I created the space that they could come and ask Mm -hmm. for help and invite me in to working with them and then but they wanted me to step out pretty quick yeah it wasn't come in and stay it was i need a little help here get me on the track here and then it was back off again yeah right and um, i think that's the piece of it that's really what the champion is designed to do is just jump in help them 
get back on their feet or not officially on their feet, but get them grounded and then let them go again. And it's not always easy if our kids aren't grounded in the first place, right? And that's the piece of it is that our kids may not want us to be involved and they're not grounded where they're at. They're struggling. And so the focus and the work becomes, how do I begin to make this create the space for this person to be willing to get help, whether it's from me or from somebody else, right? It's a sort of- if they need help. If they need help. So I think we need to take a break and then let's come back because I have an idea of how to bring this into something more constructive. Is that cool? Yeah. Okay. Hi, it's Elaine. And if you like this podcast, you'll love our coach approach. Whether you're a parent looking for support or a professional supporting families, we invite you to download a free guide with 12 key coaching tools at impactparents.com slash gift. You can begin using a coach approach to help kids become more independent or improve all of your conversations at work and at home. That's impactparents.com slash gift. Welcome back, everybody. We are we're having a philosophical conversation about parenting young adults or emerging adults. And we've set the stage with some of the challenging issues and the dynamics and what makes it what makes it challenging as parents to make sure we're not coming in and trying to control. But we have kids who oftentimes, I think, as you you were just saying before the break, Diane, struggle with not not wanting us to over direct, but maybe not knowing what they need or maybe needing help and not knowing how to ask for it or whatever. And what was just coming to me as I was listening to you was something about, about again, it's all about relationship, right? But these are often kids who need a win. We talk about that with little kids, but it's every bit as true with young adults. They need a success. They need to a glimmer of hope somewhere that they can access to see that it's possible. And when I listen to success stories in our community and I think about things that have been successful over the years, usually there was one shift, one transition point, one something where a young adult started to to gain some traction in one area. And that was able to open up the possibility to apply it to other areas, to leverage other areas, to be willing to ask for help in other areas, because a lot of them, I think they feel scared and hopeless. Mm. And so there's a real need for their own sense of hope and possibility. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times I think what happens is they just, they feel like they're not doing what the world thinks they're supposed to do and they're not sure what it is and they get lost. So they need to at least have that first step on a path. What's coming up? It's just, it's like the string space approach, but it, it's about grabbing the opportunity as a parent, as parents, it's like noticing the opportunity and stepping into the opportunity. I think about, I have a client whose kiddo, was home, left college, struggling to get a job in that sort of in-between space. And one of the things that the kid loved to do was cook. And so this became a thing between mom and this young adult that they would go to the grocery store together once a week and they would take turns planning the menus and they would cook together. And it was like this sort of, and this kid was really good at it. And so then that person feels the strengths It builds the relationship, which gave them the permission to talk about the other stuff because they were in a better space mentally and they had established a relationship in a way that really 
enabled mom to have a different kind of conversation with them because it wasn't mom harping all the time. It was, gosh, I got a relationship with my kid. And this is what we say all the time. I got to have a relationship first, right? That's what I was going to say is it, it always comes back to relationship yeah. because relationship is the foundation of trust. And these kids very often, they don't, and this comes up in, in my coaching group a lot. I'm sure it does in yours too, on some level, we have fallen out of trust with them. They've fallen out of trust with us and they've fallen out of trust with themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so a lot of parenting emerging adults is about finding a place where we can trust them again in, in creating a relationship where they can trust us again and then beginning to invite them to trust themselves mm-hmm. because that's the access point for them. And the double-edged sword in that, Elaine, honestly, is that a lot of times we talk about parents feeling the clock ticking, right? A lot, a lot of all our parents of kids in high school are feeling the clock ticking. I got to tell you that parents of young adults are really feeling the clock ticking. And if it's like have parents in our group have spent six months just focusing on the relationship. Yeah, exactly. Or a year just focusing on the relationship. And it's, it's hard because you're like, what do you mean? I got to spend a year watching my kids play video games and doing nothing, but sleeping all no, day and play video not games. We We're not saying that. If you don't have the relationship, you can't em- empower, or empower, you can't inspire change, you can't support change without some kind of relationship. And so you do have to take the time, whether it's a month or two months or whatever, to really maybe back off and really figure out how do I recover this relationship in a way, maybe uh, you you all know that my favorite tool is transparency. Maybe you say to your kid, you know what, I've been harping on you. I'm scared about your, about what's going on and I'm sorry. And I just want to figure out how to be in relationship with each other so that we can, I can better support you. Yeah. And move forward. Yeah, transparency is a huge one. It comes up so often in these. And as I was thinking about the conversations I've had with so many parents of young adults, we do success stories for the podcast, right? And when I've asked some of them to be on the podcast, very often their first response is, I don't feel like a success story. Well, because their kid's not fully there yet. the kid's not fully there and independent. But then once we start talking about it, they see how the relationship is better, the communication is better, the kid's participating in the home better. Mm -hmm. And they may not be grown and flown, but there is progress. We just have to remember to slow down and look at the incremental progress and not just look to the outcome. And this is one of those places that it is hard because we're talking about wanting our kids to be out there living on their own. And so we do have that milestone out there in mind. And it's a great reminder to go back and you want to look at the process, not the outcome over and over again, because you're going to get exhausted if you're waiting for that one magic day. And it'll come. Ideally, for most of us, it will come. We don't know when. I'm trying to think my first one was about 28 when things started to click and and get into place, other well, kids and, are not I, that age yet. Well, and sometimes it's there were some areas where I would see kids be really moving forward and then regress in others, and they're still doing that well into their twenties, mm-hmm. right? I we have one family where the kid is back home after dealing with significant issues and challenges and addiction, and so as an adult is back at home starting again and parents are figuring out how to support them. So there there are a lot of things that could lead to that kind of forward back, forward back. And it's funny as I've got one parent who's they've got their college age 
one under control and all of a sudden their 33 year old older sibling is having a moment in their life where they're really struggling. And so the cool thing is they've got the tools and they know how to do it. And it's just, and it's just frustrating because it's like, Hey, I thought this kid was doing okay. And they're not. And I think that but, but they were, and now they were doing not. okay. And now they're not. Yeah. And yeah. that's the key is we often talk about progress as like a spiral. We're spiraling forward and sometimes we're on the upswing and sometimes we're on the downswing, but it's, they're moving forward when we stay in connection and relationship. Yeah. So we need to wrap this conversation. I want to recap what I heard. I've heard strength-based approach. These mm-hmm. kids need a win process over outcome, the importance of transparency. So for those of you in our community, we're recapping some of the tools that we teach. We talked being about really clear um, about our role. Yeah. Being clear about your role, about the putting the relationship first, about understanding what your role is, period. It's a yep. sort of, or is not, and focusing on influence influencing change rather than leading change. And there's a slight difference there. But ultimately, these are adults. And yeah, yeah, you can put boundaries and controls and things like that in place theoretically. And sometimes that stuff works and sometimes it really doesn't. It just depends on your family dynamic. And I think about it. I made a lot of choices my parents would have had me make differently. Mm. And my kids make choices that I would have had them make differently. And when my mother says something to me, my response is usually, what do you want me to do, mom? It's their life. Right. To which they usually, she usually responds, you're right. It's her life or it's their life. Or, yeah. So sometimes we have to remember, even though they're our kids, they're their own adults, young, albeit true. They're still their own independent, separate adults with their own ideas, their own agency, their own life to live. And our job isn't to get them to live it the way we think they should live it. Our job is to help them live it to the best capacity that they can for what they want and to invite them to be conscious about how they want to live their life. And I think the other thing I want to say, as you were saying that I'm like, yeah, they're adults, but yes, they're 30% behind their peers in terms of some areas of their executive function development. And that makes it hard. And so uh, let's not pretend that this stuff is easy because it's not. That's why we have the groups that we have because this stuff is hard to navigate and you absolutely can do it if you do it consciously so that they can begin to do things consciously. Yeah. All right, my friends, happy 2024 to you. We hope this is a year of peace and relationship and connection. And we hope you'll join us for the summit in a couple of weeks for the one day virtual conference. And anything else, Diane? No. Thanks for what you're doing for yourself and for your kids. At the end of the day, you make the difference. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. 
for the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Behavior therapy training for parents is actually recommended as a first-line treatment for complex kids. For information about Sanity School, our training program for parents or teachers, which has helped thousands of families around the globe, visit impactparents.com slash sanity school. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.